Hi, welcome to another episode of the Behind the Stories podcast from UConn Journalism, your weekly insight into Connecticut's biggest news. My name is Adam Hushin, and I'll be your host through this exploration of the emerging field known as cannabis journalism. In the most recent midterm election, Michigan became the 10th state to legalize recreational use of marijuana. Just last month, Massachusetts opened up their first recreational dispensaries in the state and saw over $2 million in sales in the first five days, according to CBS Boston. Compared with other states like Colorado, where recreational marijuana use was legalized in 2012, Massachusetts journalists are still trying to find their way in covering this topic. I talked with Dan Adams, the cannabis reporter for the Boston Globe, who seemed ready to take on the challenge of covering such a loaded topic. I, I cover a, a very broad range of subjects related to marijuana, and you know, marijuana is an inherently multifaceted subject, right? It's it's a cultural thing, it's a legal thing, it's a regulatory thing, it's a societal and cultural thing, it's it's a health and medicine thing. So there's so many different angles to it. A day on the job is checking in with sources, seeing what's happening with them, putting in public record requests to see who's lobbying the state for what types of policies and just sort of trying to keep track of what all the different stakeholders are, are asking for, agitating for, what, what debates are sort of coming up within the community, and just, just talking to a lot of people and trying to keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on. Mm-hmm. When asked what the most difficult part of the job was so far, Adams told me that with such a multifaceted subject, it's tough picking and choosing what to cover. Honestly, story selection is, is really difficult because, as I just suggested, it's such a multifaceted subject to begin with. You could break off any number of stories looking at, at one particular piece of it. And I've got tips coming in all the time from folks in the industry, from lawyers, from activists, from government officials, from lots of different people, people wanting us to write about local debates over whether to ban you know, retail marijuana stores in their city or town, things like that. So we have to be very intentional and conscientious about where where we use our limited reporting time. So I would say my, my biggest challenge is honestly just picking which stories to write. I, there's, no, there's no problem of running out of stories. It's really just a question of, of picking which ones to invest our time in. The Boston Globe actually just hired a second full-time reporter focusing on the beat of cannabis journalism, which made me curious as a job-seeking journalism student, what exactly qualifies someone for this position? Adams explained how he got the position and what he hopes others that enter the field can offer. Well, I, you know, certainly I have um, you know, journalism education and, and experience, which are sort of generic tools that hopefully, you know, a good reporter can bring to bear on, on kind of any subject. Like I said, I had experience covering a regulated industry and looking at the alcohol world. Probably, honestly, most importantly, I, you know, I, I had personal experience with marijuana. I was, I, I'd used it and I was familiar with it. And I wanted our coverage to be written as, you know, I, want, I wanted our coverage to sort of reflect a familiarity with, with the substance itself, that sometimes cannabis journalism is pretty obviously written by people who have never even been in the same room as the stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a frustration of mine. And I wanted to just bring the same sort of serious, you know, in-depth reporting that the Globe does on any subject to this subject, but also to write about it in sort of a knowing and, and familiar way where we didn't treat people who consumed the drug as sort of a fringe you know, group a group of potheads, but recognize the reality that look, 20% of people in Massachusetts are somewhat frequent users of cannabis or consumers of cannabis. So I wanted our, our coverage to sort of reflect that reality. Massachusetts dispensaries are certainly off to a running start, and the news media are following close behind to gather the facts and inform the people. Adams told me what he hopes the future holds for cannabis journalism. The 
business side of the globe has made the decision to invest more resources in reporting on this subject because we've seen such huge reader interest in it and because the advent of commercial sales and legalization here has such potential to change people's lives. It's going to be a new part of our landscape here. It's going to be something that's very prominent and very visible to the average citizen, and people have lots of questions about it, and people are really curious about it. What I would hope we'll see as cannabis journalism matures is more journalism and better journalism. I think it's really important to actually interview and lift up the voices of cannabis consumers, of advocates, of people of color, of communities that were disproportionately impacted by prohibition, and to make sure that coverage is really covering the full range of people who are involved in marijuana policy and industry and advocacy. You know, and ultimately, of course, the goal here is to improve the quality of the public discourse about this subject so that voters can make better decisions, so that the public has a better idea of what's going on. And, and ultimately, that's our constituency, right, as reporters, as, as the public. And that's, that's where our focus should always stay. As Adam said... The focus of the reporter should always be on the public. The job of the reporter is to inform the public. This means never taking a position on a story, whether it be about marijuana or any other subject. None of that is to say that, you know, my reporting takes some position on legalization or Mm -hmm. that my reporting is friendly to the marijuana industry. It's not to say that we are trying to encourage people to use the yeah. drug. Not, not to say that we are taking some position on, on how it should be regulated or some particular policy or legalization itself. You know, none of that. I don't think it's our job to try to influence public opinion one way yeah. or the other. I think it's just, to, it's just to give people the information and the facts so that they have a better sense of what's going on in their own communities, so that they feel empowered to act and, and to get involved in this issue and these policies in whatever way their conscience dictates. I sometimes go to local municipal meetings about marijuana, town hall kind of meetings. Mm-hmm. Again, the quality of discourse can be kind of poor. I think yeah. there's a lot of misinformation floating around. There can be fear-mongering and sort of unwarranted judgments. And, and I think, again, hopefully the media will get more sophisticated about covering this subject. And I, and I think it has. I think you've seen that. I, I think sometimes that feels almost activisty to some people because the coverage has been planted the other way for so long. But I think that that's starting to change. And again, not the job of the reporter to change people's minds, but to approach this subject with sort of an earnest, open mind and give them the facts. The same day that Massachusetts voters voted to legalize recreational marijuana use, voters in the nearby state of Maine did the same. Like Dan Adams and his colleagues, journalists in Maine are finding themselves in somewhat unfamiliar territory. UConn journalism senior Connor Donahue talked with Penelope Overton, a reporter for the Portland Post-Gazette who covers the marijuana beat, about her experiences and how Maine differs from other states finding their way. I just kind of wanted to ask you the marijuana beat and how you sort of got into it. What kind of stuff you do with it? Medical marijuana has been legal here since 1999, but the recreational marijuana didn't get legalized until 2016. And so we created it a year ago with the idea that we'd be looking at it as an industry, like another specialty business right. in Maine. The editor saw this as a business beat with a lot of implications, like political, economic, health, and public safety, and not to mention cultural. So we wanted to focus on the financial and employment potential of the industry, but there's just no denying that it's a beat with lots of long and interesting tendrils. Unfortunately for me, I spent a lot more of the first year kind of following how much the law that citizens had passed at the ballot box was changing after the state legislature got a hold of it. So it was a little bit more politics than what I had been expecting. 
but it's a very unregulated business here because it began as a cottage industry with people growing their own, then it kind of expanded to caregivers who were growing just for themselves or their family members and maybe as many as five other patients at one time, to then the state started licensing dispensaries, and now there's about 2,900 caregivers, so you're looking at like a $50 million a year market. Although the law has been approved, there's still licensing and and whatnot that needs to be done. So we're still at least a year out from stores opening up. So I'm sure that the beat's going to change a lot. Hopefully it'll change a lot soon because, like I said, we've been writing a lot about the politics and then about the kind of implications of the medical industry here. But we haven't been able to get some of the real guts of what I consider to be the recreational marijuana beat because it just hasn't happened yet. Right. It's a lot of extended foreplay. Have you guys been looking at sort of everything that's been going on in Massachusetts and comparing it to Maine? Do you, do you see similarities between your state and what's been now that dispensaries are opening? And Yes. So I would say that Maine and Mass both approved it at the polls at the same time, both were November 2016. So we use Massachusetts as a kind of measuring stick, especially for the timeline, how quickly they rolled theirs out and how long it's taken us to roll ours out. But like I said, it's hard to compare... It's not a completely apples-to-apples comparison. Mass is a huge market. Maine isn't. Mass is probably going to be a lot more of a commercial market. Maine, like our beer industry here, is probably going to be a lot more of the boutique craft stuff. Mm. And we'll probably be focusing in a lot on the tourism angle because 36 million visitors a year to Maine in the summertime. For a state that's 1.4 million, that is a huge, and some might argue, the only market, really. So I think that Massachusetts has a built-in population of regulars that'll be buying all year round. And Maine is probably going to be a little bit more of the traveling tourist kind of thing. So we use Massachusetts, but I would say that because Massachusetts is still new and still kind of rolling theirs out too, they they haven't solved all their issues. We probably use Colorado, Washington, and Oregon more as a measuring stick right now because they've been an established market. They've worked out some of their kinks. They have some a baseline of data for us to compare to, whereas Massachusetts doesn't really have that yet. So, yes, it's important as a, a New England bellwether, I mean, because we have a lot in common just as a region. But I would say that probably Colorado is, is maybe more of a, a closer fit to Maine. I mean, actually, I call Alaska a lot because that's another really small market, right, where it's legal and it's been legal for just a little bit longer than Maine. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, we probably have more in common with Alaska than we actually do with Massachusetts. So do you see jobs even opening up in the field of journalism for people to start getting into this cannabis beat? Oh, there's already a lot of them, actually. There's a lot of trade magazines and publications that specialize only in cannabis. And it's not just, you know, the like High Times kind of thing, but Mm. Leafly and Marijuana Business Daily, Business Times, those kind of things. There is a ton of opportunity for people who specialize in writing about cannabis. A lot of mainstream papers have started verticals, like the Denver Post had it one. It didn't work out so well for the cannabis, but other papers have tried other things. Canada is also a number of their papers have started verticals. Some people have just started teams within the paper, like the Associated Press has a marijuana team now. I mean, people are still trying to figure out what works. The advertising restrictions make it a little bit difficult. I think people have 
thought that because this was a brand new industry that was starting up, that there'd be a lot of advertising dollars to capture. I don't really, we try to keep a wall between advertising and editorial, but I do keep my ears open enough to know that I think that some of the restrictions that are being set in the legislation that's passing, allowing recreational marijuana to happen, a lot of it will not allow advertising in general publications, basically anything that it can get to a kid. And so that has, I think, cut back on the ad dollars that are available to general audience newspapers. I think that's also had a big impact on whether papers cover it in a consumer manner. Like, we're writing about it as a business as far as revenues and job creation. In Maine, job creation is a huge issue, so of course we do that. But we aren't writing, say, reviews, you know, like, gee, you're new new to cannabis because it's just been legalized, don't know what to smoke. <laughs> you know, we don't do, like, try Girl Scout cookies right. or, you know, anything like that. It's not like our arts page or food page where we actually write reviews. That may change, but that's way over my pay grade. While the current cannabis journalists like Adams and Overton find themselves transitioning into this role due to experience in similar areas and a general willingness to explore a new beat, the next generation of reporters will have seen others do it before them, and in some cases, have been taught how to cover it. Andrew Matranga is an assistant teaching professor in media, film, and journalism studies at the University of Denver, where he started the first journalism course in the country to focus on cannabis and how to report on it. Matranga said that his students choose an aspect of the cannabis beat to report on, whether that be business or science, etc. They also visit dispensaries and newsrooms that have been covering this topic since 2012, when recreational use was legalized in Colorado. The students also contribute to a column called the Driscoll Green in the school newspaper, the DU Clarion. After holding his positions for a few semesters, Matranga decided to introduce this cannabis journalism course. But as the product got more diverse and the price points lowered, it was an interesting space to sort of study and look at because it was bringing so many consumers in and then definitely visited dispensaries at that point. And, was, and I was kind of like, this is super interesting. So in that first year, I was kind of like just at a distance from it. And then, of course, in 2015, after we saw all the tax data and I was thinking about it and really watching the cannabis at the Denver Post, I, that was when I was like, you know, I want to do a class. And the department here, we, since special topics are kind of a place to test out new concepts. And so that special topics class from interterm is how it worked out. And it's been relatively successful, of course, for the last three years. And yeah, going into the fourth year of sort of teaching it and studying it, it's been an interesting space. It's been very much a moving target, right? And we'll see, you know, I mean, 2019, there's a very good possibility that Congress will just decriminalize or fully legalize marijuana. It's very possible. At that point, every journalism in the country should have a section of a class devoted to it's just another business beat, right? Science beat. Matranga has pioneered new opportunities for journalism departments in schools around the country, and he explained why he fit the qualifications to make this happen. Well, I, I teach most of our reporting classes here. I teach a lot of our tech classes. What qualifies me specifically, other than just having experience with marijuana for a few decades now, n nothing specifically other than I went and networked with everybody, found the people to talk to, and made the pitch that this is a great sort of pipeline for people who don't know anything about journalism, to learn about media in general. And then for our journalism students to really drill down on one topic and create a portfolio piece of reporting. It's far less uh, novel now. There's classes and curriculums all around the country. And it's funny, last month there was like a cannabis conference in California, and Ricardo, who is a colleague now from the Denver Post, from all the times that I took my classes, he, he texted me a photo. He's like, hey, Samson says hi. I, he, I ran into him at this trade show, and he says he got his start in the cannabis industry because of you. And I was <laughs> like, oh, man, it's working. 
One question that some may have is whether or not you need personal experience with marijuana to effectively report on it. Matranga says not necessarily. Also, it doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, people who like cover business, you end up learning about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know how many young reporters like, I really want to study Fortune 500 companies and write stories. They just end up doing that, depending on what beat mm-hmm. they end up on. And then you learn a lot about that topic as you go. To cover something, it's just like a political issue in a way. Like you study Amendment 64, you look at the, the regula- regulatory structure, how it's been implemented, any changes, the history of it. I mean, it's no different than covering a sports team or, or even covering the weather. Perhaps you'd be less biased, for sure, if you had no experience with it, whether you had smoked weed or not in your life. If you're a journalist or a journalism student, you're like, I want to find out the truth here or what I can find of the truth within this, right? Matranga's cannabis journalism course, called Cannabis Journalism, Reporting on America's New Normal, is not the only class offered at the University of Denver that is preparing today's students for a future that involves working in a marijuana-friendly country. We have a professor in the business school. who He's from Canada, and he does a great class on the business of cannabis. And then we have our law class here in the law school with Sam Kamen, who has an endowed chair in marijuana law to teach everyone how to deal with all okay. of the regulations and compliance. And so we have a few classes here, but I would love to see my university really go all in, but they just haven't done that yet. This trend has officially reached us here at the University of Connecticut. Professor of Plant Science Gerald Berkowitz will be introducing the first class at UConn with a focus on cannabis next semester in the spring of 2019. The class, called Horticulture of Cannabis, From Seed to Harvest, will expose interested students to the science behind growing and maintaining cannabis. Connor Donahue interviewed graduate student Peter Apicella, who will be assisting Professor Berkowitz with the course. Thing about cannabis is it's a really wide open field, and there's hardly been any research in it. Right. So yeah. we can do almost anything. So I understand that these yeah. um these CBD plants are those the ones that are being so there's no THC plants. If I I read that in a report. Yes. Right. Okay. Right. Yes. So to to actually legally study this, we wouldn't be able to study THC containing okay marijuana plants. Right. Our plants are called hemp. They're cannabis sativa still. But they actually don't, they have virtually no THC in them. Do you, so in your opinion, do you see this field continuing to grow in the future? Oh, absolutely. And it's not, I mean, there's no bounds. I mean, Canada just, just legalized for recreational use. Huge companies are interested in, are interested in using cannabinoids in their products. Actually, like Coca-Cola just invested in one of the major Canada cannabis companies, I don't know the exact amount, but I know it's substantial, and they're interested in potentially using CBD, the non-psychoactive cannabinoid, mm-hmm. in some of their products. Wow. So I thought that was really cool. Even even on our side, I know we've been interviewing journalists. There's just so many more jobs opening up for marijuana, like cannabis reporters, just to cover right. everything from regulation to crime yeah. to stuff like that. Just totally, to... yeah. So, and I think that's what the class will be like so instrumental in providing, we have a lot of contact industry people, so I think what the class will really help do with Dr. Berkowitz, with the primary instructor, they have a number of guest lectures planned okay. from real real people in the cannabis industry now who will help students understand like, you know, what roles there are that are important in the industry. And I think that, at least from my perspective, the class will help 
potentially help students be more than just bud penders, if you or, or bud penders or, or bud trimmers. You know what I mean? Right, right. And and the more ambitious students, I think, might even consider this as you know maybe I should go the extra mile and actually major in horticulture. Yeah, like sort of a jump off point. Exactly, exactly. So I, that's what I would really think I'd see from like the most ambitious students who are wanting to get knee deep in the cannabis field. Yeah. So this class will introduce them to all the different aspects of growing cannabis. And, and I think they'll see, oh, maybe I should take a class in pest management or, you know, learn more about plant physiology. And our department has all of those courses that are not directly you know, geared from cannabis, but if you have that mindset and you're a student who is looking to work in the cannabis field, that would be my perspective at least. For future cannabis journalists and undergraduate students in any field, the potential that this new subject has is exciting. Professor Matranga voiced this opinion. Yeah, you can't read a New York Times or Wall Street Journal article in every month, at least every week, there's some sort of cannabis slash hemp article. There's been a lot of coverage. This, to me, is still the most exciting beat, the most exciting thing in my adult life. It's still the Wild West, even here sort of in Colorado, but more so in all these other emerging markets. It's so exciting to see. There's just so many interesting little trails to follow. The exciting part is like this whole next year, if you want to follow this beat, you're never going to get bored. That concludes this episode of Yukon Journalism's Behind the Stories podcast. Thank you to all the journalists and educators who gave their time for these interviews. Special thanks to Connor Donahue for his contribution to this episode. And of course, thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Look out for more Behind the Stories podcast. And if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to the Roundup CT's weekly newsletter. Again, I'm Adam Hushin. And on behalf of the rest of the Yukon Journalism Department, I hope you have a great rest of your week.